This episode is supported by Capio Diamond partner, JPW Communications. JPW Communications is an award-winning communications, marketing, and outreach firm born from government for government to connect and engage in fresh and dynamic ways. Learn more at jpwcom.com, and that's com with two M's. Rethink your plan and gain public trust with JPW. Hello, and welcome to the Capio Chirp. I'm Scotty Sando. And I'm Paul Hosley. This podcast, made possible by the California Association of Public Information Officials, is designed for communicators, that's you guys, offering insights from experts and professionals in the public information industry. December 4th, 2017, a wildfire driven by strong Santa Ana winds raced through Ventura and Santa Barbara counties, burning nearly 1,000 homes and scorching the watershed in the Santa Ynez foothills. The fire to our south have scorched about 200,000 acres. The flames destroyed more than 1,000 structures and another 24,000 are threatened. More than 200,000 people have been evacuated from their homes. CBS reporter Kenneth Craig Firefighters concentrated on protecting the communities of Carpinteria and Montecito, the southern portion of Santa Barbara County, as a fire called the Thomas Fire burned for weeks. On January 8, 2018, it rained and rained hard, causing flash floods, mud, and debris slides. Turn around! The flash floods right there! The flash floods right there! Get out of here! Go! Oh my God, Mom! Close the door! By January 10th, 23 people had been killed and 100 homes destroyed by the sudden flooding and debris flows. Lyle Wagnick is the public information officer for the Santa Barbara County Public Works Department. Lyle, welcome to the Capio Chirp and thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. So um, right out of the gate, we want to know, how did you prepare for something, a massive event like this? Okay, well, first, uh, it's probably important to point out that flood preparation is something that we do year round. Uh, You know, something like flood insurance, that's something that anyone can buy at any time. And they should, because there's a waiting period before it goes into effect. But for general flood preparation, um, we ramp things up in the summer where we... Uh, have our, ma- our flood control maintenance clears our uh, channels, and I'll usually pitch a story to the news, get some good visuals of uh, of the equipment, uh, you know, clearing the creeks, and then California Flood Preparation Week is in October. Uh, uh, this year it's October 23rd through 30th, do a heavy social media push, and then we also hand out sand and free sandbags. Uh, we've had community groups do sandbag parties. So that's just for flooding. Um, but then for uh, you know debris flow preparation, it's been different for each incident. Uh, you know, with the Thomas fire, uh, we were clearing debris basins. Um, we finished our last basin right before uh, the debris flow, about a few days before the debris flow. And we'd cleared them in the summer. Um, for those who are not familiar, what is a debris basin? Yes. Uh, so a debris basin is essentially a large concrete uh, bowl. It's not all concrete. It's a think of it as a dirt bowl with a wall uh, that allows for water to flow through that wall. 
but it stops any debris that would come down. So we have them in our foothills, uh, right at the, um, the foot of the mountains. So they stop any debris that comes down um, and they capture sediment, but it lets, um, actually, it lets most of the sediment go through. How many of those do you have in Santa Barbara County? Over 20. Wow. I don't have the exact number right now. Wow. But, but they're, uh, they're mainly in the South County. And uh, yeah, so, they, so they, they let the water and the smaller pieces of sediment go through, capture the debris, and then we remove the debris from the basins as it comes down. What do you do with the debris? Uh, it all depends. So, the, so when it fills up with sediment, we, will, um, we try to take that to the beach because that's naturally where it's going to go. It all flows down from the mountain into the ocean anyway, so we take it there. Uh, the larger rocks, uh, we, I believe we have a contractor pick those up. But then smaller rocks we have put out um, for the community to use. So we'll put these rocks out. People will um, use them in their gardens, use them in their front yard, and those go quickly. So I'm just tossing this out to you, Lyle. October's coming up. Do a Rocktober campaign. Just, oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the problem is that the storm season doesn't really happen until November, so we oh. would have to hold on to those rocks for okay. a year before All we could right. give them out. Well, but that's, um, and Rocksember doesn't really no, it doesn't. You know, Wait, sound good. How about Sedimentember, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Just, uh, just trying to work here with the Alliance. That's good. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so how we prepare for, for debris flows, it depends. You know, it's like I said, for the Thomas fire, we'd cleared out those basins, uh, in the summer, but we, we did a second clearing, uh, right before the debris flow. And then with the, we had the cave fire, um, in November of 2019. And that was interesting because within, I think 48 hours of that fire breaking out, we had a rain and snow on the mountains. Um, but, but we cleared uh, the basins below that. And then we um, also installed additional protective measures in case of a debris flow. Fortunately, there was not a debris flow uh, in that event. So you, you, you've taken all these, these precautions. Uh, how do you notify the public that, hey, this, this time is real, we've got a flood coming and it's a threat? So I think, yeah, I attended those, you know, the advanced PIO class uh, through CSTI and FEMA a few years ago. Great plug for that. I did too. They're wonderful. Take the classes, people. All right. So good. I, and I, and, and the, the two main pieces that just has stayed with me uh, for all these years since then is that you want to get the right information to the right people at the right time so they can make informed decisions. And then the second part is people want to know you know, what the problem is, um, is it, does it continue to be a problem and what resources are we using? Um, and so I, I think one tool that we use that we developed um, after the debris flow that's been really helpful, it's called Ready, Set, Go. And it's essentially an evacuation order and warning system because uh, those orders and warnings can be confusing and flooding and debris flows are different than fire. So what Ready is, is we put uh, an announcement out 72 to 48 hours before a storm uh, and the county office of emergency management will alert the community to an upcoming storm 
that has the duration and intensity to pose a possible risk to life or property. Set means that 24 to 48 hours before that storm, the sheriff's office starts warning the public there's a high possibility of an evacuation due to this incoming storm. And then go is 24 hours before that storm, the sheriff's putting out orders to leave now if you're in an evacuation area. Um, some other tools, and these are more unique to, to flood or debris flow situations. Um, you know, we have our website, readysbc.org, which is a clearinghouse for all kinds of disaster preparation and response information. Uh, since the debris flow, we release an annual storm risk consideration map. Uh, and this map shows zones and parcels that a debris flow could impact. So that's a useful tool for people who live in those areas. Um, and then yeah, I think um, non-electronic information is always really important from you know putting up A-frame bulletin boards at community centers where people gather. Um, I think it's important on training staff how to speak to the public. You know, if I'm out taking photos of us putting up road closure signs, I'll talk to people who will ask, you know, do I really have to evacuate? And so I think it's important for people to understand, for, for staff to understand empathy, getting a message out, being very clear about it that, yeah, the sheriff wouldn't uh, announce an evacuation order if they didn't think it was necessary. When you um, establish an evacuation order, to your communities, are you also setting up evac centers? Uh, yes. So I think from there, it's um, kind of the usual process. We have evacuation centers. Um, here we have a big ag community. So we'll have um, places where people can evacuate their pets and horses. Um, and, uh, you know, we have our warning system, not just the WIA system, but we have um, ready SBC alerts, which we use through Everbridge so that anyone who signs up can get those. And then you know, social media, traditional media. You're listening to Capio Chirp. Our guest today is Lyle Wagonek. He's the public information officer for the Santa Barbara County Public Works Department. I want to hone in on public works because that's uh, your expertise. How did Public Works respond to the flood warning. Um, so, as I so with the Thomas fire, um, and actually the the same with the um, K fire, um, we had equipment staged in advance, ready for it. You know, we we rely on analysis by USGS um, to you know if it, and the, I think it's the Bear Team is the Forest Service. Um, I don't, I can't remember the acronym. It's basically the burn area team and they analyze. And if they think that there could be a, a debris flow, we prepare, we stage equipment, we make sure staff, if they live in the Northern part of the County are down here and ready to go. Um, and then you know, maybe one, uh, another important thing to mention is we have flood control cameras. We have two that are mobile that we can set up um, in sensitive areas. So a month, or two after the debris flow, you know, we continue to get water coming down uh, during storms and uh, debris coming down. And so we set up a one mobile camera at uh, San Ysidro debris basin. And during one storm, one of our hydrologists noticed that that basin was filling up really quickly, called our public works director at, who was at the emergency operations center. 
said, hey, I, I think we may need to close the freeway. This is really building up. Our director went to the CHP uh, chief, uh, warned them. Uh, she called CHP people, and they closed the freeway moments before uh, the flood hit the freeway. Um, and so tools like that are so important in being able to um, share information with, with the responsible people to uh, protect the public. Can you talk about your use of drones um, for doing status updates and recovery process? I think this is so interesting. Sure. So I think um, the, the great thing about drones, uh, in addition to the fact that they take cool photos, uh, is that they just give a different perspective on anything. So if you're on the ground taking a photo of things, your, your range of vision is pretty limited. But with a drone, you could technically capture an area miles wide and with the debris basin you know think of it like a coffee cup if you're if you've got the the top of the coffee cup at eye level you can't really see how much coffee is in that cup but if you exactly but if you put it uh below your eyes you can see how much coffee is in there so what i'll do with the drone is if it rains at night i'll go out first thing in the morning get photos of the debris basins with the drone, you can easily see how much material is in it. You can get, you know, 360 degree views of it. Takes me about 10 to 15 minutes. And I can use my phone to send those to our staff that's in the emergency operations center. And they can not only use those photos for um, morning updates, but send it to FEMA to help with the recovery process. Um, it's also just good to show the public um, what's going on to give them a better sense of how much debris is coming down so they can understand um, how how big the event is. Uh, drone technology, pretty important for informing our public to keep them updated on what's going on. And by the way, a quarter cup of coffee is what I have in my coffee cup right now. So just let <laughs> yeah. everyone know. Hey, and I, I don't have, yeah, I don't have a drone in your room right now so i couldn't see that so thank you uh, lyle on, on on the drones and on images and pictures i, I think a, a lot of us have seen the uh, scary and awesome uh video of i think i recall a, a car just being washed down with the debris flow uh, after the thomas fire what, what kind of what kind of stuff did you find in that debris flow what 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 is in that uh, everything. Um, I, and I think this is important to, to, to mention because even to this day, I'll still hear people refer to what happened as a mud flow. Um, a debris flow is not a mud flow. It, it takes, it, it's a, think of it like an avalanche. You know, it's coming down the mountain and as it comes down the mountain, it's picking up rocks, it's picking up more mud and as it starts to hit things, it takes those things down with them. So um, probably the, the biggest impression from the debris flow I have was an area that I had filmed with the drone um, in November before the fire, before the debris flow. Lots of trees, um, houses. And when I went to take photos of that same area the day of the debris flow, um, there wasn't a house there. So I thought I must have been confused about where I actually was. 
And then it wasn't until that night I realized, no, I was in the same location I had been in. Um, there just wasn't a house there anymore. Wow. So houses, cars, um, anything big and small comes down in a debris flow. Yeah, we um, are currently recording in El Dorado County, um, and we are just miles away from the Caldor Fire. And uh, Highway 50 is the main uh, highway system that runs between Sacramento and South Lake Tahoe, <clears throat> cut through the middle of this huge fire. And the burns, the scars are going to, you know, give us a problem this year when it comes to debris flows um, because everything that would hold the soil is gone now. And if Highway 50 already has, you know, a uh, history of, of problems with rock slides and that sort of thing impacting uh, traffic there. Um, so it's going to be a big problem for us um, this winter um, as the wet season uh, comes down upon us. Um, so something for us all to keep our eyes on. And, and I think it's important to note that it's not just going to be this winter. Yep. It's going to be the next four to five years at least. Um, and that's why it's important to start thinking now about any debris flows you may have in a couple months. Yeah, we had the Whittier fire in July of 2017, which is near Lake Kachuma near Highway 154. And a storm caused a debris flow there 18 months later that closed Highway 154 for a few days. So it's, yeah, it's not just going to be this winter. It's going to be the next few winters. So Lyle, if you had to give some advice to our, our fellow PIOs who are in the many counties that uh, are burning in the upper Sacramento Valley, um, the counties there, and also in the Dixie Fire and the Calder Fire burning in El Dorado County near Tahoe, uh, what advice would you give them about prepping for winter? I would say um, two things. The first is the um, the basics that as PIOs we all know, um, you know, know how to get the right information to the right people at the right time so they can make informed decisions. Um, start thinking now about uh, how disaster response is going to work, not just with your jurisdiction, but with other jurisdictions. One thing that's been helpful in Santa Barbara County is um, a lot of us have worked together. Um, I've been covering incidences for the past 15 plus years, so I know a lot of people in the community and it's, it's helpful to be able to know who to call and be able to reach out to them quickly. Um, so prepare uh, your communities for anything unique that, that might come up. Um, I know one thing we've had is when we took our sediment to the beach, people didn't understand the process. Um, they were concerned that it was, you know, we were putting toxic material on the beach, which just wasn't the case. I mean, we were taking material from the basin and taking it to the beach with nothing touching it in between. So educating the public um, on any kind of unique processes you might have to go through and that they would see. And then um, to add on to that, I think empathy is hugely important. Um, it's especially been important during COVID, but during any kind of crisis, you know, that's what we're taught. The first thing to put out there is, is a message of empathy. And um, I'll say two things here. One was uh, we had a, a environmental monitor who just 
did an awesome job. She was at the beach where we were placing sediment and she had a mother and her child come and complain to her. And the mother complained that uh, we were making the child cry because what we were doing was hurting the mermaids. And our, our staff member, um, I mean, she might as well be a PIO because the first thing she went with was that, Hey, we've been working with the mermaids. Uh, what we're doing is not impacting them. We're making sure that they're safe. So she addressed the situation on an empathetic level, um, which diffused the situation and it, and it addressed the overall goal, which is just being able to work with people. Um, and so I, I thought she was genius for being able to pull that out without any kind of PIO training. Um, I think the other part is just uh, making sure you have a plan to address your staff's mental health. Um, Because when you have a disaster this huge, and I think fire and law enforcement are trained to handle these situations, um, but other staff aren't. And I know some of us just saw things that were very difficult and, um, worked seven days a week for months straight and it takes a toll on you. So making sure that whatever people need mental health wise, they're getting, um, because while our event happened a few years ago, you know, we're still out there repairing bridge, uh, replacing bridges, we're, you know, repairing roads and still working with the community to rebuild. So while the initial incident happens, the effects of it carry on for a while and, and, people need to be able to, um, to handle that. Do you think that that event made your community a little tighter um, and perhaps a little more receptive to messaging coming out when it comes to preparedness and recovery? Yeah, I I think so. And I, and I think a lot of it does come from um, some of the, the private, the public private partnerships that we have, you know, one of the things that came out of this was a group called bucket brigade, uh, which was founded by Abe Powell of uh, Powell Peralta Skateboards. You know, they had the Bones Brigade back in the 80s, and uh, they had the Bucket Brigade, which was this community group um, that went out right after the debris flow and helped um, private property owners to remove mud and debris um, from their uh, property. And they're still out there now. We worked with them recently to uh, create walking paths. Uh, in Montecito to make it safer for the community to walk through there. So um, I think it has strengthened just um, you really develop trust in those relationships by working with people face to face. And we've been able to do that with a lot of groups and community. And and I think it has helped. Wow. Great advice. Uh, thank you for that story, Lyle, and, and the, all the tips you've given us that, that are going to be helpful as we, we go through the rest of this fire season and in the winter flood season i think everybody uh, can benefit from from the experience you went through so thanks so much for taking the time that is lyle wagonek he is the public information officer for santa barbara county public works department thank you it was my pleasure thanks for listening to this episode we hope that it provided you with valuable information be sure and share this episode with a friend or colleague you'll look super smart if you do Keep an eye out for our next episode about wildfire recovery efforts in Santa Rosa. You've been listening to the Capio Chirp. Time to fly.